Good morning, Eastside family. We want to encourage our children ages four years old through third grade to make their way to junior worship. We got some new people here that had kids that age range, so just kind of follow the crowd. The rest of you take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. But before we get there, I do want to mention a very important aspect of our worship assembly, of our worship to God, and that is our, our regular offerings that we bring before God, and just always want to remind you, not as a broken record, but just as, as an expression of the importance of worshiping God with our offerings. You can mail a check to the church address, you can uh, give your offering through an automatic draft through the bank, which is quite easy to do. You can go online, we've made it as easy as possible, go to the home page and uh, click on giving and follow the instructions there, or you can put your money in the basket for those of you that are here in person on the way out. For those of you that are not here in person but are with us live streaming, absolutely delighted to have all of you here with us. I've heard of a number of you that couldn't be here that are normally here. We're so glad for the technology and for those of you uh, that those that are sitting back in the audio booth area that, that are making it possible for those that are live streaming to see me today. Let's, I'm joking, visitors. That's just a joke. Luke chapter 2. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Up to this point is, I hope you've been paying attention, we have been in the gospel of Luke and we've looked at everything that surrounds the story of Jesus' birth, everything that was preceding the story of Jesus' birth. And so now we pick up where we last left off as Luke continues this incredible story of Jesus Christ. No further introduction. I'm going to begin in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Every year Jesus went to Jerusalem for the feast festival of Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Verse 49, Why are you searching for me? He asked. Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So there is something very significant and unique to this story that you don't want to miss. If you're paying careful attention, you're going to notice here in Luke's narrative that from verses 39 to 41, Luke goes from talking about newborn infant Jesus to Jesus being 12 years old. He skips a 12-year segment there. At the end of what I just read, as we walk into chapter 3, 
Luke then picks up the story of Jesus as Jesus was now 30 years old, entering into his ministry. And so what we have here, what I just read here, is the only recorded story of Jesus from the time of his infancy and his birth, with exception of Matthew's story of the, the wise man coming into the book of Matthew, all the way up to the age of 30. As a matter of fact here, I think it's also worthy to note in verse 49, there are no recorded words of Jesus, period, until he was 30 years old, except for what I read this morning in verse 49. These are the very first words of Jesus. And so it begs the question that I was asking myself, there was a lot that happened from infancy to 30. There was a lot that he said why was it that God by His Holy Spirit, of all the things He could have chosen, why did He say, this is the story that I want them to hear? These are the words of my Son that I want them to hear. Evidently, there's something very important. And so the question we're going to answer this morning, what is so important here? And how is it relevant to our lives? Now, honestly, the story has more than I have time for this morning. It is packed. And so I'm going to let you dig further in it on your own. Or even better, I'm going to let you in your life groups work deeper into this passage. I only have two basic things from this story I want you to notice this morning. First of all, what does this story tell us about Jesus? And then second of all, what does this story tell us about you? About me? And about us. So let's just look at those two simple points this morning. First of all, what does this story tell us about Jesus? This passage shows us, very importantly, the identity and the purpose of Jesus' life here on this earth. Up to this point, we've noticed that Jesus, Luke, I mean to say, has had many give testimony to this is who Jesus is and this is why he's here. He's had angels do that. He's had Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, do that. He's had Elizabeth do this. He's had Mary do this. He's had the shepherds do this. He's had Simeon do this. He's had Anna do this. And so now Jesus gives testimony to himself. And from this we see what you would call a dual identity of Jesus. Two characters of Jesus that are fundamental to our faith and our salvation. And first of all, you see the humanity of Jesus, that Jesus was a man. And it's quite clear in this story. He was a little boy growing up, learning and maturing in every way. He traveled with his parents like many of you traveled over the holidays he got separated from his parents. It's a story of a young boy in conflict with his mom and dad. It's a story of this conflict resolving and, and Jesus obeying his parents. This is just normal life. Normal human events. Stories that are really not unlike our own. And maybe some of us are reading this going, yeah, I had a story kind of like that. Karen and I have. I remember many, many years ago when our little Jonathan, I don't remember how old he was, we were shopping in Dillard's and Jonathan decided to play hide and seek, but he decided not to tell us. And so he hid himself in the store while we're shopping with Hannah and our other younger child. And at some point we realized uh, Jonathan's not around. And so, you know, of course, he's somebody somewhere close by. We looked around and we didn't see him. We called out for Jonathan and he didn't answer. Well, because you don't answer when you're playing hide and seek. 
And so <laughs> we became frantic in public in Dillard's calling out his name, running around, wondering where he was, wondering, has someone taken our son? And we know that happens. And I think it was once that I said to, finally when I said to Jonathan, either you come out from where you're hiding or I'm going to kill you. It was at that point that he revealed his hiding spot. It was this circular rack of clothing and he had just dug himself right in the middle of those clothes. All of those emotions that we felt and those emotions that we expressed, those were emotions that, that Joseph and Mary experienced, except there were two exceptions to this story. Ours was probably five to 15 minutes of loss. Theirs was three days of wondering where he is. And theirs was the son of God. It's like, Joseph and Mary, you had one job. This is, this is raw, real humanity. This is not a myth. This is not a legend. This is not a fairy tale. This is real life. As we understand it, this is the humanity of Jesus. Luke wants us to see that for a very good reason. But secondly, he wants us to see this other part of his dual nature, that Jesus was more than a man, more than a boy that got separated from his parents. Jesus was and Jesus is. This is his deity. He is God. And we see this through the testimony that he gives of himself as his parents finally find him and find him. And he says to them, did you not know that I had to be in my father's house and you don't notice that word my in Jesus day you didn't say my father in reference to God no one said that you could speak of God not personally collectively he's our father he's the father of Israel he's the, he's the father of his people but no one said my father and Jesus did what no one had ever done before and read Matthew Mark and Luke and John he does it a number of times referring to God as personally as his father clarifying or identifying himself personally as a son of God this is the testimony that Jesus gave about himself. You're never going to see when you read the story of Jesus, Jesus going, man, I don't understand what all these people are doing talking about me being the son of God. That is so crazy. I'm just a person like everybody else. Jesus never denied that. He verified those claims as we see here with his own testimony. So you got to decide, is he lying? Or is he telling the truth? And so if he's lying... Let your mind go down that track. That means all of this is a lie. All of which Luke and the Bible authors have verified that is, is rooted in factual truth. But if this is true, oh, it's an incredible truth for our lives. Listen, we need to understand this is not a small point here the dual identity of Jesus and God, of God as God and man this is a non-negotiable foundation of faith unto salvation what I mean by that you cannot be saved 
You cannot be a saved follower of Jesus and not embrace this truth. So right out of the gate, as Luke wants us to know and follow Jesus, he wants us to understand this about Jesus. Church, that's why, or those of you that are going, why do you follow some guy that lived 2,000 years ago? Because he wasn't just some guy that lived 2,000 years ago who was an incredible teacher. This is God who became man. So that's his identity. But from his identity also flowed, and this is the second part, Jesus' purpose for why he was here on this earth. And we see this in his statement, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Like, this is where I belong. Now, those of you that had the King James Version with its older English, it reads like this, how is it that ye sought me? I love this part, wist ye not, mean, do you not know that I must be about, and I included King James for this reason, because I love their, they actually have a more accurate translation, I must be about my father's business. Not, don't you know I'm supposed to be in the church building where you think you'd find me? No. Don't you realize I'm supposed to be about my, my father's business? This is who I am. God is my father. I am his son, and from that identity flows my purpose of, of living out, of carrying out and doing the things of my Father. And so when we read through, as we're going to be doing through Luke, you're going to hear Jesus doing that a lot. I have to do this. I must do this because I am the Son of God. This is why I'm here. And so you've got, you got to be watching this. Jesus had a clear sense of his identity and his purpose. At a very young age, 12 to, to be specific here, Jesus knew who he was and why he was here. His relationship to God, it shaped his identity. And his identity shaped the purpose of his life. And the purpose of his life shaped the course of his life. So that's what this story tells us about Jesus. Now the next question is, well, what does it tell us about you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? So first of all, just in case we go home with the wrong lesson, let's clarify what this story is not telling us. Kids, if you, if you go on a trip with your family to another town... It's okay to wander off for two or three days and hang out with strangers. I mean, hey, Jesus did. That's not the lesson. Don't get that. Or, kids, if, you're, if your parents come up to you upset about what you've done and they question you, well, just say to them, what? Don't you know I'm supposed to be about the Father's business? I mean, hey, Jesus did that. I want you to try that. Next time you get in trouble and see how you're... Listen, if I had responded to like that to my mother, my mother would have said, Father's business, huh? You know, I'll show you, boy. I'll show you some business. And so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really perplexed here. And are we to follow, especially kids living at home, I'm not sure I want to encourage you, just follow Jesus exactly as you see him here. This, is, this has got some questions for you to kind of wrestle with when you get home. But listen, you cannot miss. Oh, there, this is, I read this, I thought, oh my goodness, this is incredibly 
relevant. Let me show you what I believe is relevant and important for our lives. It's the purpose of Luke's gospel not to say, isn't that a great story? No, it's to bring you into the story. We've talked about that. And for you to say, I believe that he is God who has become man and I'm going to follow his life. And in following his life, we already see this is a guy who knew who he was and why he was here early on. And I think it's incredibly important that each of us understand who we are and why we are here. It is imperative like Jesus that we have a clear sense of our identity and purpose in life. And I think not having a good understanding of that is what leads to so much confusion in our culture, in society, and certainly in our individual lives as we find ourselves aimlessly wandering around trying to figure out why I'm here and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think this, this hits us at, at all stages of life. This speaks into everyone here and there with this live stream. And it really does when you're younger, when you, when you move into to adolescence or maybe when you're graduating from high school or you're going into school and you're, or you're leaving school and you're going, well, who am I going to be? And, well, what, what am I going to do with my life? This was huge for me. And I messed up big with this part. I remember it was early. We called it junior high. Now we call it middle school. When I was in middle school, trying to figure who I was, trying to figure it out. In my school, there were the, there were the jocks, we called them, the athletes. There were the scholars. There were the, the potheads. I'm in middle Tennessee, so there were the good old country rednecks. We had the 4-H club. There were the rich kids who had the nice cars. There was the Christian group. There were the members of the chess club. There was the emo group. There There was the gothic group. There were the musicians. There were all these different groups. And I'm looking at them going, well, where do I fit in? Who exactly am I or who am I going to be and it was as I'm it was like a pressure that I felt to be somebody it was a pressure I felt to fit in because I didn't want to be just this Joe average and where I messed up in my efforts to find a place to fit in to be somebody I looked in every direction other than to God to find myself and so I became somebody very different than the person God intended for me to be. And I became somebody very ugly. And I've kind of shared with you some pieces of that story. And that wasn't me. And I knew it. But I desperately wanted to be somebody. And here's the problem. You pursue that path without God trying to find who you are and you lock into something that's really not who you are. But if you lock into it long enough, it gets locked in and that becomes who you are. And that was happening, I believe, to me. And what I wish I knew then is what Jesus had figured out by the time he was 12 years old is that all I needed to be. I hope our young people are listening and parents, I hope you're listening to pass this on. All I need to be is the person that God made me to be. That's where I fit. That's who I am. 
And I remember the day when I figured that out. When I decided, you know what, forget all this. I'm going, I'm going to give my life fully to God. I'm going to live out the life he gave me. I'm going to be the person he made me to be. It was like this monster burden of trying to be somebody else was gone. This monster burden of trying to be what you want me to be or what you want me to be or what they want me to be and simply being the person that God made me to be was so, and it still is, so incredibly freeing. Young people, hear me. Put your phones down. If you're looking at them, it's not looking at your Bibles. I want you to hear this. You are, read it, Psalm 139, parents to your kids. You were fearfully and wonderfully made, meaning you're incredible just the way God made you to be. You don't need to try and be anyone else because he is your creator. Who you are and your purpose comes from a relationship with God. And it is incredibly important that you get this at a young age, as Jesus did. I think that's where this text is leading us. It's an identity crisis. It's, it's solved here. And look, look, this is really debated. This is really sensitive in our world. But this issue of, of a, of a, a identity crisis is really big right now in our culture. As people are asking, and even young kids are asking, what is my gender? It's not simply, am I going to play football or am I going to play chess? Am I transgender? That's the questions being asked today. Am I, am I male or am I female? What is my, what is my sexuality? Am I heterosexual? Am I homosexual? Am I bisexual? Or, or am I something else? Who am I? And where do I fit in? I in no way mean to minimize. Hear this, please. I in no way, by those comments I just made, I know everybody looks straight at me when I start talking in that direction. I in no way mean to minimize or put down such feelings or questions. My heart is with those who wrestle with those things. But I mean rather to say, I'm convinced of this, that the answer to such questions is found in developing and deepening a relationship with God. I find myself when I find the Father in the Father's house. I come to know myself in first knowing God. And I, I personally believe that failing to find one's identity first and foremost in God our Creator, but rather seeking it and being influenced it by it by notions of this world instead, that's at the root of so much of the confusion that we see in our world today as it relates to our identity. But we're foolish to think, well, that's what these kids 25 and under are struggling with. 
Oh, this identity crisis, it, 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 it sticks with us as we leave school and we go into our career. There are those who are in their 30s and 40s and they're still asking and you were, it was resonating with you as I've been asking you. You're still asking, who am I? And, and why am I here? And you're wondering as I'm still wondering, well, what am I going to do when I grow up? Or do I even want to grow up? There are those who are not content with who they are now, but they're looking forward to the person that maybe one day they will be. They're incredibly busy day after day, year after year, doing the same things again and again and again, but quietly saying and thinking to themselves, this isn't me. This doesn't feel right. What, what, why, am I, why am I doing this? I feel so empty. What's the purpose? It's, uh, you could call it a midlife crisis to want to redefine myself. Oh, but once I retire, no. <laughs> Ask retired people if they'll be honest with you. They'll tell you, oh man, this identity crisis, it goes in retirement and it actually becomes, I think, more pronounced. One whose identity was so defined for so long by their career and now they don't have it. Who am, who am I now? What am I supposed to do today? What is my purpose? I, I can't do the things I used to do. What can I accomplish now? Who would hire me now? Because of my age and my health. No one cares what I, I, I'm actually not making these up. I'm quoting from some friends who are retired. No one cares what I have to say anymore. They just humor me. People think that I'm senile and to some degree they may be right. I'm like an old horse put out to pasture. Worthless. Useless. And so some at this stage find solace and they find their identity and and looking back at who they were and at what they did. It's living in the glory days because today is so dismal. It's that, it's that identity crisis of who am I? Why am I here? The answer to these questions, regardless of the stage of life that you find yourself in, it's not found in another job. It's not found in retirement. It's not found in another relationship. Not found in another home. Not another car. Not another hobby. Not another gender. Not in past accomplishments. Nor in future accomplishments. It is found in knowing and following Jesus. For he is the one who made you who you are. Each of us have been created by God. Children of God. With a God-given identity. And a God-given purpose. That's what I believe we learn. From this story of Jesus. As a 12-year-old boy. I don't think he was missing. I don't think he was lost. He was right where he was supposed to be. Oh, that was hard for his parents to start letting go indeed. In his father's house. 
carrying out his father's will. For he was God's son. So, where are you? Who are you? And what are you, what are you doing with your life? We'll see it later in the gospel, but it's, it's unique to the gospel of Luke. It's a parable of his. It's the parable of the prodigal son. In my translation, it's not called the parable of the prodigal son, but the parable of the lost son. It's the story of one who he wasn't content being the person who he was in his father's house. He knew better, and so he set out to find himself, to do his own thing, his own way, and it led to a path of self-destruction and so in his place of despair brokenness and emptiness we literally read it says in, in, in the NIV when he came to his senses which could be literally translated when he came to his self which basically means he finally woke up and looked around and said this just isn't me and he went home He went home. Until you're at home with God, you will never be home. You'll always be missing, always lost. Therefore, I believe God said, let's pick that story of all those stories so that we could come to know Jesus as God who became man. And that in knowing him, we might come to know who we are and why we are here. I believe that God's word and calling to us through this story could be reflected in the words to an, an old hymn that we used to sing years ago in the church. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting, he's watching, watching for you and for me. Come home. Come home, you who are weary. Come home. Let's stand and pray together. Holy Spirit, in in this quiet moment, we ask and pray that you would take these powerful words from Scripture and cut as deep into us as you can by your double-edged sword and speak to us in individual and personal ways to help us see what you're saying to us. What, it, what does it mean for each one of us as individuals to, to come home? What does it mean for us to come to know you that we might know ourselves, know our purpose in life? Father, we offer up this song to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs 
as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.